Today I'm going to be meditating on the concept of hearing God speak or um, getting God's guidance. So we first of all know that he's promised that we all do hear from him. And uh, so there's a, a bunch of verses that say this, John 10, three to five, to him whom the porter, to him the porter opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice and a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him for they know not the voice of strangers. Uh, and John 10, 27 again says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. John Eight forty-seven says, He that is of God hears God's words. You therefore hear them not because you are not of God. Um, and even in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 33, 3, Call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. Uh, and then this is Jesus speaking to believers in Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hears my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Um, Isaiah 30, verse 21, so this one's kind of talking more about direction, but still, as, and your ears shall hear a, a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk you in it, when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. Um, and so we, we also will will encounter him, will have access to them to him if we seek him with all of our hearts. So James 4, 8 says that, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Jeremiah 29, 13, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search with for me with all your heart. Okay, so what does it actually look like? So um, John, uh, let me flip to John four twenty four. So God is a spirit, and this is Jesus says, and they who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So what makes that challenging is that we are body, mind, spirit, but we are a body, we have a mind. That's the, the um, mind, will, and emotions, essentially. That's our soul. Our spirit is what's been renewed. That's what's been born again. That is what is identical to Jesus' spirit, but it's tangentially related to the body and the mind. It's right there, but how does he actually communicate? Because it's not like you can point to, you can't, you know, do an MRI scan and see your spirit, right? So it's it's like there's almost a translational issue where God has to get that information through to us in some way that it cannot be counterfeited, right? So that's part of what the what was difficult in the Old Testament. So one challenge that sometimes I've had when I'm looking at the way that God spoke to people in the Old Testament, it sure looks like it was easier at face value, right? So the, you know, look at Jonah, for example, he heard God so loud and clear that he literally got on a boat and ran the other way. And then God had to send a storm in order to send him back. So there was no question. This was not a still small voice. He absolutely knew what God was saying and he didn't like it. And he ran, um, even Cain, for example, after he became the first murderer in Genesis, he's God talked to him, called out and said, where's your brother? And he, you know, God talking to him was no big deal. He responded with, without a problem. Like clearly we have conversations all the time. So there wasn't, there wasn't a rupture there either. Even the old Testament, um, prophet Balaam, who wasn't a, a, a Jew, he was not only was he not a Jew, he wasn't a good guy. He was the one who ended up leading the Jews into idolatry to commit idolatry with the beautiful women of Moab and basically end up leading them into sexual, uh, worship of other gods. So Balaam, also heard God's voice very, very clearly. And so it seems awfully strange that, you know, they had that access, yet we have a better covenant. 
And for so many of us, it seems like it's difficult. Well, the reason is because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit hadn't fallen yet. So God didn't have the option of speaking in that still small voice that is, and again, I'll get to that verse in a second, but um, he didn't have the option of using subtlety the way that he does now. He had to use physical senses and he did it very sparingly because in all of these cases, there was the possibility of counterfeit. And that happened, actually. So um, the there's a couple of examples where um, we're told in Deuteronomy. Okay, so Deuteronomy 18. I won't go ahead and read all of this because I don't think it's quite as relevant. But Deuteronomy 18, 9 to 22. So God gives instructions on discerning between true and false prophets because not everybody had the ability to prophesy. In fact, very few people did. So they had to be able to figure out, are these guys speaking for God or are they not? And basically the only way they could really know is if what they said came to pass. But even that wasn't absolute because sometimes, Deuteronomy 13, 1-5, sometimes the false prophets predicted things that did come to pass. So then the only thing they could do is see whether or not they said things that were absolutely contrary to God's nature and and God's will. And then he could say that would be a false prophet. Even if they prophesy something that comes to pass, if they do not, if, if they curse me or they lead you into idolatry or something like that, then this is also a false prophet. And on top of that, sometimes the the true prophets lied. First Kings 13, 11 to 31 has that discussion. Or sometimes they were deceived. Ezekiel 14, 9 has that picture. Um, and uh, the main reason why it's better for us, we have the Holy Spirit who can speak to us directly. And also we have the completed canon of scripture. So that means that is the one thing that absolutely cannot be counterfeited. So first Peter um, 119 says that we have the more sure prophetic word. So he's speaking of God showing up and speaking uh, his words of approbation to Jesus after he was baptized. And, he, and Peter's saying, we heard that voice from heaven, and yet we have the more sure prophetic word, which is the actual scripture. So that's pretty powerful. He's saying that the, the scripture itself is more sure than hearing an audible voice from heaven. Why is that? Because anything in the physical realm, Satan is still the prince of the power of the air. So anything else can be counterfeited either by demonic powers or possibly by our own minds because that's the conduit for our understanding. We've got the spirit, which is perfect, that is trying to communicate with our minds that are still being renewed. They're still, you know, in process of, you know, uh, moving from glory to glory. We're still in process of renewal. And that is why it is so important for us to get that, the, the vessel of our minds clean so that we can better perceive and understand. And how do we do that? So Romans 12, uh, verse two, everybody knows this one. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So that's a really big one that our minds will be able to if, if the, the vessel is clean, for example, I'm picturing uh, like an eyeglass that's got spots on it, the more you clean it up, the, the better you're going to see, right? Um, and that actually reminds me, hold on, I was going to go read a different one, but that reminds me of 1 Corinthians 13. So this is the famous love chapter, but at the very end of that chapter, uh, hold on, um, it says, 
Uh, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as, uh, know fully just as I am fully known. So um, at the moment, because, you know, all of our senses are seeing what is physically here, we don't have that sixth sense of seeing into the spirit realm, at least most of us don't. And even those of us who do, I believe, don't have it all the time. So most of it is still just knowing little bits here and there. So we're being led through God's word primarily. Um, so the, again, Hebrews, uh, not again, but this, what I was going to look for was Hebrews 4, uh, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and is discernible and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So that, I think, is really key because the word has the ability to help you discern what is God and what is you, to tell the difference, whether there's possibly it's your own fleshly passions that are leading you in a particular direction as opposed to being led by the spirit. So um, let me jump over here on Romans. Um, so knowing whether we're being led by, um, by the spirit or by the flesh, Romans 7 and 8 covers that pretty well. Uh, let's see if I can find Romans 8. Um, let's see where the best place is. Okay, so uh, Romans 8, 1. There's one particular verse that... Okay, here we go. Uh, Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit to the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So you can look and see what is growing in your garden, essentially. Like, what is it that you are planting? Are you planting the uh, the things of the spirit, the word of God? In which case, you will reap the fruit of the spirit. Galatians five twenty two says that it is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Is that what you're reaping? Or are you reaping uh, envy and strife and anxiety and fear and depression and every evil work that is going to be from the flesh? So pay attention to what it is that you're focused on and God ends up leading you. That is the, the job of the Holy Spirit is to bring to remembrance everything that you've planted. So he can only show you, uh, well, it's not that he can, he could do whatever he wants, but he generally is only going to show you what you've already put inside your mind. So um, with respect to scripture, so he brings back to remembrance everything that you have known. So this is going to be in uh, John 16. Um 12. So I have, uh, Jesus is telling the disciples, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Okay. So generally the way that the Holy Spirit works is he brings back to your remembrance, the things that you've already hidden in your heart of the scripture. He brings the words back to you so that you can be guided. There are exceptions to that. He will tell you things that you've never learned um, if he really needs to get it through to you, but that's a supernatural spiritual gift. That is in discussed in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, where he talks about diversities of, of the supernatural gifts, um, and that would fall under the category of the word of knowledge or potentially the word of wisdom. So that's uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 8. And he does that, but uh, at least in my experience, it's a lot more rare than having him bring back to remembrance the actual scriptures that you're given and uh, that that we that we've hidden in our hearts okay so backing up a little bit I've mentioned that the in the Old Testament it wasn't really a still small voice the 
the verse that that comes from, the concept of the still small voice, that comes from First um, Kings, uh, I believe it's 19. It's the story of Elijah running from Jezebel to Mount Carmel. And, um, okay, so he's, so the context, he has declared the drought and it's been, there's been no rain for three and a half years. And then he's finally come back. He's confronted all of these false prophets on uh, top of Mount Carmel. And he's called down fire. And then he slaughtered all these prophets of Baal and Asherah. I think it was Asherah. Um, and then after all of these fantastic exploits and all the people of Israel are, are cheering for him and they're, they're turning back to the Lord, he presumably at this point thinks that he's going to have a hero's welcome. And instead what he gets is a threat from Jezebel that says, by this time tomorrow, I will make your, your life like one of those prophets that you just slaughtered. And he his emotions take over, and he just goes crazy. And he runs, I think it's like 100 miles. It's a ridiculously long, long distance. All the way back to Mount Sinai. I think I said Carmel for that too, but it's all the way back to Mount Sinai. Okay, and then 1 Kings 19, um, verse 11. Then he said, God said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mount into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So that's the only verse that that concept comes from. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria and and you shall anoint the king uh, Jehu, the son of Nimshi. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Uh, The point was that Yes, he spoke to him. It said a still small voice, but this is the only example of that in the Old Testament where it see, where it was described that way. So I interpret this because it's a single single verse to make a really big doctrine on. Um, so I suspect that what this means is that God was speaking to Elijah tenderly, like you have a toddler who's freaking out and screaming and terrified and you're not going to yell at them because it's going to scare them more. So I think God was giving him all of these signs because he was in his brain spinning in fear of Jezebel and in angst, presumably with the idea of he's been this zealous for God. He thought it was going to be over and he was going to have a hero's welcome. And that's my extrapolation. Um, But now he realizes he's going to be running the rest of his life and he's just done. And he's in this emotional loop and God needs to stop the loop so that he will look at him and listen. So he does all these spectacular things. He ends up having this great wind and then the earthquake and then the fire. And then I would imagine he's got Elijah's attention. Now he can talk to him. And so now he's speaking to him softly and kindly, like a father trying to comfort a freaking out child. What are you doing here, Elijah? And now Elijah will talk back to him. And that, I think, is what was really going on in that case. So the idea of the still small voice, is it still in small? Yes, but I think the reason it's still in small is because 
God is now speaking through our spirits, which can't be counterfeited. Satan can't get in there. Our spirits are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So only God can use that method of communication with us. But it's still and small to the extent that our minds are not renewed. So 1 John talks about how the things that end up kind of choking everything is the, uh, this is First uh, John verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. So the more you've got those things, those things that, that are of the flesh that are in your mind, will and emotions, the harder it's going to be for you to hear and perceive what the spirit of God is telling you. Um, and then there's there's other exceptions to this. There, God still speaks through prophetic words. So again, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about this. And there's plenty of examples in the book of Acts where God will speak through a prophet. But then same thing applies because this is something that's external. The same thing applies in the New Testament as in the Old Testament. You have to discern, are they prof- uh, professing Jesus as Lord? And does this, you know, does it seem like this is going to be, this is true. And God also talks about how every word should be established by two or three witnesses. Um, And this, uh, in Matthew 18, hold on. Uh, Matthew 18, verse 16 is talking about, oh no, I'm in Mark. Um, Matthew 18, 16 is talking about church discipline. So it's a little bit out of context, but Matthew, okay, hold on. Um, but he will okay. So, uh, but if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, and by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Um, and that one is actually quoting Deuteronomy nineteen fifteen, uh, where God makes the same rule: every word should be established by two or three three witnesses. So, if you get a word from a from somebody who says that they're speaking for the Lord, and it's not something that either confirms or denies Jesus as Lord, how do you determine whether it's true? God's not going to make you do any major life changes based on the word of one witness. He's going to send you two or three. He's going to make sure you know where this is coming from because for exactly this reason, because it can be counterfeited. He can also speak through dreams and visions, but that too could be counterfeited. So you need to make sure that you use discernment for that as well. There's lots of examples of that in Acts. uh, There's there's multiple examples of God speaking through that. Um, Joseph in Genesis, Daniel obviously had a whole lot of dreams. Um, Joel 2.28 was the verse that Peter used during Pentecost that he quoted in Acts that in the in the last days the old men will dream dreams and the young men will see visions so that's absolutely true he speaks through godly counsel so that isn't necessarily some somebody saying thus saith the lord but proverbs 11:14 where no counsel is the people fall but in the multitude of counselors there is safety so again it's talking about multitude don't like hang a major life decision on the word of one person he's going to get you where you need to go proverbs um, 2 let me see if I can find that. Um, Proverbs 2 says, um, he guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. So if you're trying to follow him, he's going to direct your steps. He's going to protect your path. You don't have to be anxious about going off and doing something that he didn't call you to do. He, If you're truly seeking the Lord, that's his job. He's going to make sure that you stay exactly where he needs you to be. He sometimes will lead us by circumstances. So Psalm 37, uh, 23 to 24, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. So 
there's all of these different ways that God can make sure that he gets his, his information to us. But the biggest one and definitely the most foolproof is to renew your mind with scripture. The more you learn scripture, it's like giving the Holy Spirit a language by which he can speak to you. He can bring more and more things to remembrance, the more things that you've hidden in your heart. So um, I hope that was helpful to you. Thanks for joining me and I'll see you next week. Hey friend, I'm Brooke McLaughlin, host of the Everyday Prayers Podcast, a ministry of million praying moms. And I'm here to invite you to partner with God for the hearts of your children on the daily. Our goal at Everyday Prayers is to help moms understand and pray God's word. Join us each weekday as we share insights from God's word for today's Christian mom. Tune in to the Everyday Prayers Podcast in your favorite app or by visiting lifeaudio.com.